0: And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the fab foe Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more.
1: Osiris.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. We are here. We are admiring Jonathan's new cleaner office. Right,
2: Jonathan? It's a nice office. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It is the same office, but I have excised some junk and moved around some very important things like the hundreds of records that you can't quite see on the floor behind me.
1: I really like that little like section there back in the end where cool. like the 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 wall kind of caves and goes on an angle. It's it's the type of thing you only get in like old time East Coast houses. On
2: the other side of that wall, in the hallway, we have curved plaster.
1: Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's a nice feature.
2: Yeah, good old cracks have been there for most of its life. I'm sure. This
1: Very
0: is good. um. Now we're, we're getting to the, the point, um, where we discuss our old homes and how we improve them every show at the very beginning, which is nice. Architecture
2: talk with RJ tell us, Brian and Jonathan and Megan. Tell
1: us where today. you lived in
2: 1992. Uh, at what point I went to college in 1992. I graduated high school and went to college in 1992. And, um, I don't know if that was living, Um, but I did that. So Virginia still, though, because it's for lovers. So obviously I belong.
1: I had just moved into my parents' uh, forever home. And all I was doing was watching the Chicago Bulls play basketball. It's the only thing I did in 1992. Maybe a couple of other things, but I think that was it.
0: (laughs) We're going to, we're going to talk about 1992 today. Sorry. Spoiler alert, everybody. Um, what, um, what Meg, Megan is not here. Meg, and Megan's popular, popular segment, Meg's Corner, which has taken the internet by storm is needs to either be taken over by someone else or we need to just not do it. So what what are we, how are we going to do that? This is the pre-meeting, right? I I'm we haven't gone live yet, have we? I, have I think, yet, I think
1: without doing the bullet points that Meg does so well, And Brian's got great details
2: here.
1: I don't, um, but I do have a couple of thoughts about 1992. And I'm curious, I think maybe the best way to get into this is what are our general thoughts about 1992 Fish and kind of where do we see the band at that point in time? Because I think that this is – I think there's an argument to be made. I don't agree with this argument, but I think there's an argument to be made that if you were to – Say, where do I start with fish to understand modern fish and to understand who this band became? Starting with 1992 would be a safe place to do that. I think there's a ton of value of listening to the 80s and the early 90s, but I think if you are a fish fan with limited time and don't have the desire to go through all these old shows, 1992 is kind of the starting point of where this band became the band that we know today.
2: It's funny that you use the word safe because some people, I think, when given the opportunity to talk about what fish is share what fish is with their friends, they play it safe. They're like, Oh, here's chalk dust torture. It's like a rock song. Some people will say, here's the fleaser. Love it. Or get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> you are two you know? extremes
1: right now. I love it.
2: Um, so I think 1992 though, does fall in the safe category. Um, and it, it's, it's good fish. It's good. You've got a good uh, what, catalog of material that they're working on. Uh, they are improvising. They are, and we'll talk about some of that. They are doing creative and interesting things. But they're not fucking people's face on a nightly basis in the way that they would later do.
1: Argy um yeah,
0: I mean I think it's a I think it's a fair um entry point for for a fish. I mean you get you get some um there's a few things. There are I think where you start to get kind of legendary shows. So, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. have the four sixteen ninety two show, seven twenty-five. There's just there's there's a lot of um shows that I think 1992 is when it starts to kind of become more of a, um, like, you got to hear this show. I I think in 91 and 90 before that, it's just sort of like, yeah, they're all kind of the same sort of, Um, at least that's my, (laughs) at least that's my interpretation of it. So in that sense, I think you, I think from like a fan folklore perspective, 92 is really when it starts to become important. Um, and then there's new there's new important material that that's that comes in '92 as well. Um, we Wait, hear well, a few. Sorry, go ahead. We hear a few. Um, <laughs> we hear a few in this show. We're going to talk about a, a few songs that that came in 1992 that then end up being you know staples of the of the Fish catalog for forever. So I think in those two ways, '92 um, is important. But I do have I do want to talk
2: about. At some point, we're going to have to talk about this show that we
0: chose. We, we, we are,
2: should, but I want to. I want to add another thing that is really, uh, I think, significant of '92.
1: Please it's do, and then I want to add another thing, especially so significant to thing.
2: this show, which is the secret language uh, debuted mm. in early part of '92, and that was, you know, as Fish was growing, they wanted to continue to communicate with their with their fans. Like they're real fans, um, whatever that means. Um, that was pre-hashtag real fans. That was the we didn't hashtag back then. Um, <laughs> Brian, what else did you have to add?
1: Well, I wanted to I wanted to kind of wrap this around in a in a really important point that I think that you made that they are not yet at the point where on a nightly basis they are going to be fucking people's faces and fucking people's brains over in a way that will ultimately define when you say to someone, you need to come with me to see the fish show. You are saying it to someone because you know that they are going to be comfortable with a band that is going to break a ton of rules and do things that you didn't think was possible at a show may frighten you. That is not this band quite yet. That is this band in in moments, in hints. But I think what's really interesting about 92 and especially about where we find ourselves with this show is this whole... Um, tightening up process and figuring out the show structure and the energy and and what it what, what they need to do on a variety level on a night to night basis that begins in early 1989 kind of comes to an end here because when they come back on the road four months after this show is played that we were talking about which is 112592 92 if we have not mentioned it and if you are not watching the screen and seeing it across the ticker Within three months, they are going to be playing songs like Stash and pog and You Enjoy Myself and Tweezer and expanding the edges of where those songs begin and end, which is going to start to define kind of that next step in their evolution.
2: But they are, at this moment, like in 92, they are doing things that very few other bands are doing and arguably totally. no other band yeah, is doing. Yeah. There are definitely some groups that are simpatico with kind of the fish vibe um but they're nobody's doing what they did in 1992 um and they were and they were definitely people who were eating it up following them around and seeing as much as they could and you know bouncing off the walls as they were you know shredding landlady and sparkle mm-hmm. and all of the kinds of things that we're going to get into here in just a second um And so, I, I, you know, let's not diminish that, but uh, it is definitely different from where they would be, where they would land. And I think the purpose is not wrong with this suggestion. The comment here, any of y'all know when the secret language really started? Definitely before 92, right? 92 is just when Trey let the fans in on it. Am I wrong? I think 92 is when they were like, you know, there's times when we communicate with music and then they, put together a bunch of signals that were the audience could follow as well. They were communicating with each other through things like the trill and stuff like that, but it's yeah, it wasn't like they were really doing Well,
1: it allows it. them to kind of show off their skills. It's kind of like, this is what we're doing that you don't really know that we're doing it, but like, we're going to let you in so you can kind of see what our process is. And I love that aspect of it. Um, can I divert us really quickly before we yeah. talk about this? I thing?
2: object. Because I do not <laughs> like it when this podcast goes off the map. It's really
1: important to note that this weekend that this show happened, um, a movie was released, which set the, at the time, this has been broken many times since, but set the record for the highest weekend debut of all time. Do you know what that movie is? No. It's a sequel. I'll tell you that. Let's see. November Jones*. uh,
2: No, don't know it.
1: Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. That's why I don't know it. Okay, this is an important question because I was at the exact age range for this movie when this came out. This was like one of the biggest deals in my life at this point in time. Does this movie mean anything to either of you?
0: I mean, my kids have watched it. 50 times so
2: in that sense yes but in any other sense no I'm going to say no Bob I've seen maybe half the movie
1: <laughs> alright we can carry on this was I was a 7 year old at this point in time this was everything you are excused.
0: to me I'm so glad you brought this up this is like so just man do we even need to talk about the concert with all this no, other important oh, stuff
1: we don't not, not at this point so um,
0: Brian there's an important thing we have to talk about, which is that we, uh, well, we are talking about 112592, but we had a not very lengthy, I guess, we had a brief debate about which show to highlight. And
2: there were a few on a, our list. It was a short conversation. I think you threw out a short list. Brian said, this show. And here we are. <laughs> It's probably true,
0: but I'm trying to like, this is called building tension, Jonathan. It's for for entertainment purposes. We had a long and intense discussion, which involved a lot of yelling and at least one person threatened to quit the podcast for good. It was intense, but we landed, we, we, we mediated and we we're here. (laughs) Brian, there's one, there was one thing that we had to talk about. Which we're gonna talk about before this show, because I think there's one piece of nineteen ninety-two music that we that we can't possibly ignore. But before we talk about that, tell us about the eleven twenty five ninety two show or or just like what you what did you see in this show before we get into it that you that you wanted to talk about?
2: Why did you pick this train wreck,
0: Brian? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that
2: <laughs> I'm not either. I was just, I was just interpreting liberally.
1: I think that it is important as we go through this series to highlight where the band is at their best and also who the band is, and just generally is. And this is a show when I first got into this band, this was, heavily recommended and traded. And I remember receiving it from multiple people when I never even asked for it. Um, I was like trading other tapes and someone would throw this in as, Hey, if you haven't listened to fall 1992 fish, this is a fall 92 show that I would that they would recommend. So this was a show like I was familiar with early on. I think it gets to like, part of the reason I was interested in talking about this was twofold. One we don't really talk about fall 92 on this podcast. We talk a lot about spring 92 and there are a ton of really good spring 92 shows that we highlighted just a year ago that I wanted to avoid repeating because from a content standpoint, usually we don't want to repeat content within a year of itself. So that was part of my consideration. Um, I also think this show from a set list standpoint, absolutely rules. Um, you've got, just heavy, heavy hitters across the board. Um, I also think it showcases in a couple moments where the band is human in a period where they are not necessarily performing like humans. This is like the the speed jazz era of Fish. They're incredibly fast. They're incredibly tight. They're about to, within four or five months, uh, really cross this threshold in improvisation. And this show doesn't necessarily showcase that in a way that I find really interesting from a contextual standpoint. Um, It also has a ton of really great banter, and it feels a part of something that is uh, historically one of my favorite things about Fish, and that is Fish... On the cusp of the holidays and on the cusp of uh, kind of this communal vacation, and Fish nails this vibe when they're playing either around New Year's or Thanksgiving runs or Halloween or on the cusp of even like a festival when they self-create their own sort of holiday vibe. The show has that to me; it has that like warmth and that um, that element of kind of uh, uh, Fish's ability to to create. Um, uh, traditions and create kind of memories in the moment that transcend the music in a lot of cases. Um, we also didn't get a lot of other suggestions. So that's gotta be taken into consideration here. Nobody else suggested another show.
2: Yeah. Because I wanted to do that one that you were like, Oh, we talked about it last year and we're going to talk about the good bit, uh, <laughs> later anyways. Um, Right. I would say, you know, for all the not talking about Fall Ninety Two uh on here, there is a Fall Ninety Two show that I would also like to highlight. Um it was uh you know it's near and dear to my heart. It was October thirteenth, nineteen ninety-two. I saw the spin doctors at the boathouse in Norfolk, Virginia, and um it was cool. That's all I got. Thank you. <laughs> um there
1: are
0: I other I meant to say it earlier and I like- forgot I just out. want just for the people who are gonna yell at us there were four shows on the list and I and I'm happy where we landed but I most importantly this this show happened um, 10 miles from where I am right now and that's that's that seems to be relevant this in the Keswick theater 1300 person venue that still still exists but they never played there again this was it um, it's in sort of North North, just over the northwest border of the Philly area, and um, it's near Arcadia University. So that is, those are some things that happened. But it's it's close to where I am. We could meet there in the in an hour if you guys want.
2: Um, I would. I'll be late,
0: Brian. Do you want to meet there?
1: Uh, tomorrow I can be there. Not okay. an hour, but tomorrow. <laughs> cool.
0: All right, so. The the one thing we have to talk about before we get into eleven twenty five ninety two um, is this legendary tweezer from Eureka four twenty one. One of the one of the coolest versions of the song, I think, still to this yeah. day. Um, it's we talked about this on Undermine. Holly Bowling did a cover of this version specifically, which I think most people probably know. You, most people probably know this 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 version, but it's, oh man, there, there's something about it. I, I want to, I, I don't know. I don't have, I wish I had more to say in an intro, except that it's just, it's just really amazing.
2: What do you guys like think? I would say words about it. It's, go Oh, go. It's beautiful. It, it could be composed. I, in fact, I think it's an excellent choice for Holly bowling to transcribe and perform because it feels that complete, uh, as a piece of improvised music. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, it's, it's funny when I was listening to it today, my, my dumb music brain, it, which is different from other people's smart music brains, uh, because it makes connections that aren't necessarily real, but I thought about it in kind of, as being sort of like a David Bowie, in that you know they start tweezer, they it kind of transforms into the big improv section, and then it's really more about when they're coming out of the the jam, back to close tweezer. You can hear the tension build as they kind of like lean towards tweezer, much the same way that they uh, would close a David Bowie. Um, Otherwise, musically, completely different to David Bowie. And in fact, there is a David Bowie that closes the first set of this show. And I listened to that, too. And it is completely different sonically and a very different energy. And as it probably ought to be. Um, And, yeah, it's just it's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece. Uh, And what do they pull it off in like 12 and a half minutes or something like that? It's not super long uh, and it doesn't need to be it's just really amazing
1: yeah you know it's interesting cuz that's like april 92 i i i think is like the first great month that the band played where where every single show is is, is essential it's worth hearing you have that run from 416 to 422 423 i think that all of those shows um you said it earlier, RJ, like these are the, this is the year where there's the first real epic shows where everyone has to hear this. And it's a full week where you hear the band just kind of night after night. Um, you know, who knows if it was easy travel through California at that point in time, or they just had a really good crew with them, or they were just all in really good moods and like really happy about the way that they were playing probably pretty decent weed. And, and at a time where nationally you couldn't really count on that when you were traveling across state lines. Um, but all these things kind of combine, whatever it may be, that those shows just have an energy that feels slightly elevated compared to um, years prior and even compared to March, May, and the subsequent year. It, but even still with that, there's nothing in 1992 that sounds like this tweezer. Nothing. Like I, yeah. I listened to it all. There's nothing. Um, the closest thing is the April 8th David Bowie. That is like the first really, really good. Let's blow the doors off on David Bowie. Let's see what happens with this song. The thing that blows me away about this tweezer, you said it, John. The the the, the composed aspect to it, the fact that Trey sounds like he, every note he chooses, even when he's going outside of the initial melody that he sets all sounds pre-planned all sounds right on cue from a tempo standpoint from a from a melodic standpoint even when he's going kind of veering off to the side of what he originally came up with the the tone and the effect that he's playing with sounds different it almost sounds like he's playing through like a tube coming out of his amplifier it's like very narrow and kind of spongy and it sounds super colorful and it like it 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 just has this like effect when you listen to it that you almost hear him reimagining what his guitar can sound like and when i hear this jam i hear what the band will sound like in august of the following year i hear the risks that they're going to be willing to take in november 94 i hear the focus and the melody and the energy that they're going to play with in december 95 all kind of encapsulated in this one little jam and it blows me away every time i listen to it because It sounds two, three years ahead of its time, but without this type of jam, I don't think that there's, you know, uh, there's not a foundation to go back to, to say, okay, whatever we did then, let's try to figure out how to get back there again.
2: I feel like Mike sounds like he's having a sculpture room sort of experience, though, with this yeah. one, too. It's, you know, his notes you, are you talked fucking at length massive, about Trey, dude. and you're not wrong on any of that. But it, they're all really, really on point with it. And yeah, yeah Mike's, I, it, as, as Trey said, at Ian's in 89. It takes all of us, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, it totally. Really does. Yeah, Mike sounds bombastic, but also is like, I mean, he's playing within and without what Trey is playing with. And that formula is something that is going to be so special about this band going forward. Last thought is just, I, I kept thinking about the, the, um is it Randall's? Yeah, Randall's Island, Choctaw's Torture from 24 years after this where not necessarily, you know, that jam goes into a ton of different territory that they would need 20 years to figure out how to get to that type of place. But there's something about that chalk dust, they're playing chalk dust. And I don't know where Trey just finds a melody and he's off running. And this tweezer has that same quality. There's no like cool down and then let's build it up and find the melody. It just, he finds it and they just go. And that, that will be something that will kind of define them as they continue to, to, to evolve improvisationally. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
0: I don't want to. I only want to do this for the people who are going to yell at us. It was twenty-two years later, not twenty-four years later, Brian. I'm oh sorry. my god! I'm sorry. Math. hard to do that. I
1: was a history um, major, guys. I, I don't know. I, I, I know years, but not how to add or subtract them.
0: <laughs> so there's a there's a amazing like coming back to the jam. Trey's soloing at the end of this is just awesome and. It's it's beautiful, and I do have a theory. We haven't yet talked about the show that we came here to talk about, so I don't know if I have time. But we last week we were talking about the horns tour, and I do wonder if some of this melodic playing in mm. in songs like this was influenced by these horn you know charts that Trey created, and and whether that has anything to do with it. Because and which I've never in all my years of thinking about Fish, I've never really thought about that before. But I feel like there's there might be something to that but who knows maybe we should ask I like trey. that
1: idea i'd never really thought about it that way but that
2: okay, i get right it kind of
1: makes sense with the way that that uh it almost sounds like he's playing a trombone through a guitar it's like That's the so way I'm his saying. notes just like doo, 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 doo. Yeah. like there's so, it's so wild
0: we should um well we should ask
2: someone i don't know nobody knows yeah. nobody knows trey probably doesn't I'll... remember at this point um
1: he thought so it happened should. in 1998.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Horns tour and uh, that was in 90 uh, 96, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I best year of fall.
1: The anger uh, um, of the Sacramento crowd when he said, eh, "We were back here six years ago." <laughs> yep. People just started going.
2: <laughs>
0: so pissed. Yeah. Okay, So we're going to the. Should we go to the Keswick Theater? yeah yes, let's, let's
2: get through this so it we're gonna we're gonna like speed jazz through the rest of this show uh, here <laughs> this is uh just to borrow your, your fish play the
1: show right. on 11 25th 1992 uh november 25th and uh it is available on re-listen for you to check out all right we will Feel see like you guys excited. next year later see on next that week
2: day, and they also fucked up a song but let's uh
1: can, can I can, – because right, that is a big focus of this, and that is, to be clear, something I, I will fully admit I forgot about it until I re-listened to this show. I, probably I think it's listened to show hilarious, though. So. I do, too. Did this take – did that take anything away from this show for you, or did this, that no, add to the show? Added, I, I
0: think it added – I think it added for me. increased charm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh,
2: well okay. Good. Go RK, ahead, John. John. Tell us what there happened you at this concert. No, you I, want to, I want you to – Okay. I don't even remember. Uh, so – Set one. Uh I'm just gonna run down the set list real quick and then we can all pick a couple highlights. Uh first set, uh, uh great opener, should be the best show ever. Uh buried alive <laughs> into poor heart, uh Landlady, uh Fee into the Maze, uh Sparkle into It's Ice, into Squirming Coil, into Cavern, uh, really into Sweet Adeline, uh back into cavern into Antelope um heavy metal cavern let's talk about this first set real quick um i i'm gonna because i have the floor i'll keep the floor uh it's all none of it's not good to be clear it's all really good just well played um the sparkle is like breakneck the maze is pretty cool and intense um megaphone of versus on fee of course the cavern i think and the antelope are probably my highlights the cavern has like this crazy heavy metal thing Trey's doing through the first part of it that is rad like bring that back and and that's the kind of stuff you'd get at this point with fish is that you know sure they're not doing a 40 minute tweezer but they're They're fucking around with their own formula already. And it's pretty cool. Like, give me the heavy metal cavern, please. Um, And the the antelope uh, is just, it's kind of just perfect bonkers 92 antelope energy and a great, great way to close a set.
1: Yeah, I feel like, like so when we when we compare when we talk about 1992 for me if I'm going to go to any 92 show it's usually going to be from the spring but even still the first sets in the spring are very very straight they're played very straight uh, oftentimes this <clears throat> what I like about this show is the squirming coil through the antelope segment there's exactly what you're talking about Jonathan the squirming coil has this like weird 45. 50 seconds, uh, segment where it sounds like they're just like found themselves in this like hyper groove jam and are, 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 moving away from it. And it sounds way, way different than anything I'd heard from squirming coil at that period that fades into cavern, the aforementioned heavy metal section, they break for Adeline come back for cavern end with a really cool antelope. I just think it showcases what you're talking about. They're chipping away at what has been written, what has been, um, uh, defined what has been rehearsed over, over and over again. Um, there was a comment here. I just want to pull it up from came to play. How linear was the 89 to 92 progression each year demonstratively better than the last? I don't think that each year was necessarily demonstratively better than the last, because I think that whole period, it kind of sounds the same in a lot of cases. It's a very, very tight band, just further polishing and refining what they do. But I think you hear by the tail end of the year, them start to chip away at what they have been refining and what they have been polishing over the last uh, uh, four years in an attempt to say, what's kind of the next step? And and the next step is ultimately breaking these songs down, which you get in the in the middle part of this or the latter part of this first set.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's an attempt to say that so much as it's like, you know... Fish never letting themselves stay in the boxes they create. They're they're constantly ready to kick down every wall um, as soon as they build it. RJ, did you did you get a good nap in the set? Were
0: (laughs) yeah, no. I I think the maze, um, the antelope is a great closer. Um, There's. yeah. I mean the Antelope is great. The Maze is maybe one of the songs that debuted in ninety two and it just adds so much to to these sets, you know. Um mm-hmm. there's there's like I mean what a what a crazy song to bring into a live performance, you know. I mean we just mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. saw one a couple months ago, but
2: it's still like pretty fucking cool, you know. So I, I think I think it, that, it... The right take on a 92 maze is i mean i used the word bonkers earlier i think it, yeah. it fully applies like who writes yeah. that who plays yeah. that yeah, it it's clearly something I you're
1: think... only writing when you can play that fast and you right. can play that loud and you can all play like in this sustained energy it's like having this and llama in your catalog is just insane
0: yeah yeah and i think the you know just the thing about this compared to 91 like these songs that start to start to debut in in 92, there's a couple more in the second set, but um, there, you know, it changes the feel of the show and makes it more feels more like modern fish. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I totally um, get that. Um, Should we go, should we move to set two? Take us there. Okay. First, I want to say um, if you've been listening to our podcast, you've probably heard us over the past several months, talk about smart wool. This is our, this is our last Month of working with Smart Wool for now, and you probably heard some of the the ads that we put at the beginning of the episodes. But I want to tell you quickly, just because we have a a deal, uh, so I'll tell you about that. But I think you all know for more than twenty five years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore the outdoors. And they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. I agree with that. This shirt I'm wearing. I'm I'm performing on this podcast at a much higher level because I'm comfortable, and that's important. Um, and SmartWool is here to help you feel good, and you can take 15% off your first order on SmartWool.com, so check them out, and I uh, just want to thank them for all of their support for our shows over the past several months. Um, okay, so we have a, Brian, second set opener, chalk dust, foam, fast enough for you. You Enjoy Myself, Lizards, Tweezer, Hold Your Head Up, Cracklin' Rosie, Hold Your Head Up, My Sweet One, Tweezer Reprise, Harry Hood Encore, Carolina. Um, the, the crowd was really into this, which I, I like the recording of this, um, but what's your take on the second set and how it, how it flows?
1: Well, I don't think that really any set during this era flowed incredibly well. Um, I I, I think maybe like 416, 421 are like the sets that flow really well. I think that a lot of what they were doing at this point in time is throwing a bunch of songs at the table or at the wall and, you know, uh, allowing their big songs to be played at big moments in the set with some filler in between um, which is fine. I think that that's kind of what they were doing before they got to a point in, I think August 93, where they were able to start like segueing from one song to another uh, with, with a, with a seamless precision that gave those sets a lot more flow. I think the highlights of this set, I thought that you enjoy myself jam was really great. And I thought the vocal jam, I don't know, maybe it was just like hearing this, Plucked out of the entire year, uh, there's a ton of humor in the vocal jam. Uh, they're talking about like putting on a jacket, and like the crowd is starting like hoot and holler with it. The lizards. As we talked about, there's two moments in this song. One, uh, Trey emphasizes how close they are to King of Prussia uh, over and over again as to kind of like hit fans over the head of like what game hinges is and how significant it is to them at this point in time. And then he, forgets, he completely forgets the lyrics to the second verse and uses it as an opportunity to connect with the fans, say hello to his grandfather, and then they restart it and you can hear him just be like, fuck, I have no idea how to like he needs like a fan to shout out the the first verse, (laughs) which is great. Like, it's just, it's, it's this breakdown of, you know, the band, um, what they'll be in a couple of years where they're impenetrable in a lot of ways, playing in arenas versus what they are now playing in theaters. Someone said it here in the comments, like we knew this was the end of when we could see this band in theaters. And it's the last time you really seen them connect with fans in that sort of way. Um, The tweezer, I think absolutely rocks and goes directly into hold your head up, which is always a cool feature. Um, And then the last thing that stuck out to me about the set was I don't know what it is. I love when my sweet one is buried deep in a show like this. It's a very like they they do it randomly where they'll put my sweet one at this place in a show. There's a fall 94 show. I think 1130 that has a, has a my sweet one here. There's a great SPAC show from summer 2016. I think it's the first night that has my sweet one, like deep in set two. And it just adds kind of this bizarre bluegrass humor, speed jazz feel to the overall end of the set that i just i really like that
2: i think this set has decent flow this is this is the kind of set that i started listening to when i started listening to fish this is this i don't think this was one of
1: my early tapes
2: but it was this is the kind of shit i got and loved and you know chalk dust rips foam rips fast enough for you pretty cool you enjoy myself it's great like it's a good like typical you enjoy myself really cool jam i like the guitar sound that trey's getting at this point i really enjoyed hearing it in the jam on the you enjoy myself cool uh you know little vocal jam i laughed and laughed as he fucked up lizards again and again that was great and uh and yeah, I like that connection to the audience that you were describing, Brian. It's that's one of those walls, fourth wall, boom, down. We're we're having an exchange right here with the people in front of the stage, and tweezer is fine. It just happens at like in a flash. I think it's what is it seven nine minutes long, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I I love Cracklin Rosie. I got, I got new symbols. Fishman tells everybody, oh. uh, you know, I, I just, I, I loved seeing Cracklin Rosie and I'm glad they were still playing it when I started seeing fish. Um, and, uh, and then, and I, I want to talk about this Harry hood cause I think this Harry hood is probably my favorite part of this show. It's mm. very pretty as who as hood ought to be. It's not, you know, a uh you know particularly notable version it is a standard great really good version of harry hood and i'm i like it and i think they were having enough fun that they wanted to then step out and give everybody the uh, carolina to close it off i think that's pretty great
0: yeah yeah i think that um the only thing i'd add the fast enough for you it's another song that that this is the third time played um and you know kind of changes the whole makeup of the set it's just these this new material from from Rift and you know in 93 obviously we'll get even more new material that to me is what kind of distinguishes the shows as we go through these years is what's like what are the new songs that are Ballads. kind of changing up yeah you know yeah. they do those Jonathan they do a lot of them i'm a fan you'll see just wait until we get to the later years you'll hear you'll hear a lot <laughs> i've been there you enjoy myself is really good though that's a that's a solid uh that's a that's a solid one that's like 18 19 minutes the vocal jam gets is gets pretty wild but um yeah it's a good it's a good set It, it does this show does flow well brian i i think it's it does flow really well and i think you know harry hood encore can't can't argue with that can't fault that
1: Yeah. Harry Hood has been around since 85 at this point. It's only the sixth time that it's been an encore slot. And I I tend to love Harry Hood uh, in the encore slot. It's a really nice cop off for a show. You get that kind of break after the set, you get to kind of reflect a little bit and then they come out and they play Hood and you know you're in it for at least 12 to 15 minutes if they don't take it off into an extended jam. And to have just like a pretty version like this, and then go into another acapella song it's just it's it's a nice way to cap off a show, plus Trey advises everyone not to feed any turkey to their dogs. you get you know the acknowledgement of where we're at seasonally um i'm I'm a big fan of thanksgiving jokes and thanksgiving uh a camaraderie it's It's just a warm time of year, and you get that vibe here
0: would yeah, do you guys want to talk about the Trey thing with lizards or not?
1: Yeah. What do you want to talk about? What are your Somebody thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it was, it
0: was interesting. I'm just, I don't know what your does it, did it, does it, I don't know your thoughts.
1: I am of the mindset that, and Jonathan said this really well, when the fourth wall is broken at a fish show, it is one of my favorite things. When the idea that band audience engagement, which is not something you are paying for when you are paying for a concert. Like, theoretically, you're paying for the band to provide an artistic service to make you feel a certain way. Like, that's just a cut and dry of it all. But when the band says, hold on, this is a part of the show, but this is also just a normal interaction with us because we are human and we fucked up, that adds an element to a fish show to me. And when he – like, you've got to imagine at this point in time – There was a ton of focus, a ton of prep set list wise going into these shows. They're practicing constantly. They're writing all these songs that to kind of be ripped out of that in front of, I don't know how many people this venue holds, but you know, a couple thousand people, a couple hundred people has to kind of be a jarring experience and he handles it really well. He handles it with kind of the humor and the humility and, you know, he doesn't try to Overlook it. He almost makes you, as the listener and as the audience member, look at him messing up and take take humor in that moment as well. It just adds a ton to me.
2: Yeah, I think he plays the the end of the song pretty well too. So, you know,
1: very well. That's the other thing. They just (laughs) they begin it halfway through and they nail it.
2: Yeah, he's um he distracted himself. You know, he got caught up in the joke. And that's fine. I, I want to say at the beginning of this, I made a, a comment that three year, three years later, I would see the mess up. But I was actually it was like th- three years minus three days because it was eleven twenty two ninety five. I did see the eleven twenty five ninety five show too, but eleven twenty two where they fish was blamed for botching Rift uh, by Trey. He didn't
1: handle and, that one with grace. He, instead, it, uh- he decided to play a thirty three minute version of Free. <laughs> i I thought that was pretty graceful.
2: Uh, yeah, 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 well, works, we fucked that works. up? Here's this <laughs> yeah. boom uh, peel yourself off the floor of the cap center. Um, first that uh then three yeah three years after three days after that three years after this uh first Hampton show was a pretty good night oh,
1: yeah. if
2: I remember correctly and let me tell you folks, I do. I Good remember.
0: Correctly. So you're. <laughs> so now we're just talking about fish shows that we've seen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I'm done.
0: I'm <laughs> moving on.
2: Um.
1: <laughs> what do you think about the fuck up? Do you think it's okay? Are you okay with this? Would you have asked? I like for that recon? he was
0: in. He was intimidated by by Ernest Anastasio the first, who was in attendance. You know, I did, yeah, I loved was, that. Is that it? No, but he like kind of like re- like rolled it all into one thing, and I thought that was, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was good. I, I do like when he, you know, it, it, the humility of it is is interesting. And I think that was kind of gone by the mid '90s. I mean, especially in the late '90s, right? They just he was sort of like, I think they were still having fun, but if he like fucked up, he would like blame it on someone else or be kind of annoyed and like well, once in a while and walk off stage, the- and, you know. In 1995,
1: Vegas, 2000, he couldn't. Vegas 2000 Esther, where he forgets the lyrics and then just laughs to himself and kind of waves off to the crowd and goes, she's gone. She's dead. And he's just, he sounds kind of pissed, but also yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know the words of the song.
0: And there's yeah. that, the, the third set of Vegas 98, where he just leaves the stage in the middle of Wolfman's <laughs> brother.
2: That's a different, so like, completely <laughs> different thing. That You've
1: been there too. You know exactly what he was going through. I'm
2: actually did, doing that, that right now. That's something else. In uh, but <laughs> it, <laughs> in a couple of years, he couldn't look over the stage and say, what are the words? People are A, too far away. Yeah. B, couldn't hear them. They all sound like they're doing a death chant, I think he said in 97. And and like, you know, it, it it's just a completely different world from the Keswick Theater in 1992. And I'd, I hope Ernest Anastasio first. Got, not only did he see Trey fuck up Lizards, but he also got to see Trey and the band engage with their audience in a way that is special to be able mm-hmm. to do that. And here they have an audience that not only can they engage with, but the audience can give them the lyrics to their own songs. That says something about the relationship, about the commitment of the fans. and uh, And it's also something that you wouldn't see in the same way soon after.
1: What's up? That's it right there. This we're, is fun. We jump ahead. We're we either it. going to another theater if we do Spring '93, or we're going to fricking amphitheaters and arenas if we do Summer and New Year's Eve. I don't know what we're going to do, but there's there's a big leap potentially out of us right now. And I would you're say you're actually a, right that this is like the end of that.
2: There's a, a, the slightest chance we're going to cover Leprechaun next week. Um, we'll find out.
0: Ah, uh, we're going to find out. So we're going to go to 1993 and I promise that we will make a good decision as as we always do. And we, we do have some, we have some deciding to do. I have a, I have a, I have a thought on 93, but I, it's going to get shot down. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to choose a good show <laughs> that much. We, can we should
1: introduce can. a new bit where we, we throw out suggestions and have people vote on them and then we just do what they say.
2: No, I think we <laughs> do just have people vote on them and then do what the fuck we want, anyways.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, is, that is the fish way for sure. Um, yeah. All right.
0: Well, thanks everybody Not for tuning thriller. in. This is fun. Um, we're going to be back. I think Megan will be back and um, we'll be back. We're going to be going back, forward, back
2: to 93. Forward, back, back, forward. We're going to go forward. Back to 1993. Y'all stay tuned. We're going back to the future. We're That's, going back to the future. We can't say that uh, we're going to get sued. But we
1: literally are. We're going. You know. it's yeah. Actually, happening.
0: I don't. Need, now I'm confused. So I guess we should just end this. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks, all. Bye, bye.
2: Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday,
1: out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network.